Welcome back to another episode of On the Ground with Samaritan's Purse, where we take you to the front lines and behind the scenes of our work around the world. I'm your host, Christy Graham, and at Samaritan's Purse, as you know, we respond to disasters. Um, In fact, in an instant, our plans can shift and change based on where the greatest needs are in the world. And so when Turkey was rocked by two back-to-back massive earthquakes on February 6th, we knew that we wanted and needed to respond. People were suffering, and the needs were, and they still are, massive and overwhelming. We immediately mobilized our disaster response specialists and started preparing to send relief support. And just after a few days that the earthquake hit, we deployed an emergency field hospital and other supplies to Turkey. I went to our command center at our international headquarters in North Carolina to learn more about how we would respond. I'm going to take you with me so you can hear behind the scenes how responses like this come together. You'll hear a lot of commotion. There's constantly phones going off and people talking in the background um, as dozens of team members are working around the clock to make this response possible. And when I asked many of our team members, you know, how much sleep they've had in the last couple days, you know, they all laughed and just said a few hours. Uh, They're focused on bringing relief and hope to people who are hurting, and they want to do it as quickly as possible. First, I talked to Deputy Director of International Projects, Aaron Ashoff, who is leading this response. We're in the Emmet. This is where all the planning goes. So much goes on, as you were just mentioning. Operationally, just to get things set up, there's so many moving parts. Obviously, you said we're in survival mode. They're still getting search and rescue, finding people. Uh, there's no power. There's no water. There's no cell phones. I mean, people are in panic. So we don't even know what the needs are. But right now, the priority is the hospital, correct? The the priority of First Samaritan's Purse is the hospital. That 747, half of it is the field hospital. The other half is tents, tarps, hygiene kits, solar lights. Uh, The team on the ground in Gaziantep is looking for clothing, blankets. They'll augment what they can buy there. But we, we will help people there. Like, the, our message everywhere is we never go just to look. We go to help people. Our team's the ethos is when you go, help people. So we're pushing our team, just saying you, you need to start helping people now. That's why we're out there. That's the epicenter. Uh, what I've seen the past 24 hours, they've shifted to this region where we're sending the hospital. Right now they're saying it's the highest death toll in that region of Hatay. And... From you, you heard on the call with Mel on the ground at the side of the hospital where we're going to set up saying it's, it's collapsed. They're, this is the heavy part. They're dead bodies. Uh, it's still survival mode there. No, I think it, it was really, it was really as hard as, as so, so hard as today was. It was really evident that the, the need is here and the need is great. Um, and I think the capacity that we're going to bring um, will fill a huge immediate need, um, but it will be a continuous need. That was Mel Wubbs. She's the field hospital director in Turkey. Mel has been on many disasters after hurricanes, war, earthquakes, and disease outbreaks. Uh, she was talking to us during a bridge call as she was driving back to our base after assessing the town and the hospital in Antakya. And we left uh, at 6 a.m. to head on down towards Antakya. 
we it took about five and a half hours to drive. Uh, the first couple hours were pretty clear, and then uh, we just hit immense gridlock traffic. Um, large trucks, heavy equipment, everybody um, just kind of crawling south. Um, about a half an hour outside of and Antakya is when we really started to see um, damage and devastation. The needs are absolutely heartbreaking. It's hard to hear from our team on the ground, uh, to see and hear what they're witnessing and the horrors that they're seeing. The hospital in Antakya, it collapsed during the earthquake. And this is where our field hospital will be set up. Um, so as we pulled in there, um, kind of our first impression was it was like a very massive hospital, um, but also just absolute uh, chaos on the grounds. Uh, there was dozens and dozens of ambulances coming, helicopters coming and going, um, some tents in the parking lot, uh, but just really people everywhere. Um, and to be frank, bodies. Um, there was lineups. There was lines and lines of uh, tarp-covered bodies. Um, we were able to meet fairly quickly with the head of emergency of of emergency operations for the hospital, um, and found out from him that this is a normally 1,000-bed hospital um, that's not functional at all. There's been severe infrastructure damage to the hospital. They're not entering it. They're not using it. They have not gone in to get any equipment or anything like that. So all of these ambulances are coming. They're being triaged. Um, basic first aid is being given. Um, and these patients are then being referred out um, either by ground or four at a time by air. Um, the issue is is that the, ho the referral hospitals are now starting to become full. They're backing up. They're having to keep in patients here on the site. And they are definitely not set up for it. Uh, there's no water. There's no washroom facilities. Um, there's no equipment, um, and so they are very um, eager to be partnering with us. Sorry, one second. Uh, the death toll keeps rising every day, and as the days go on, uh, people are, are desperate. Uh, their loved ones that are missing are, are likely not to be found alive. And for those who did survive, uh, they need care, and they need it now. And that's why we sent the emergency field hospital. The 747 carrying this unit arrived in Turkey on February 10th, just days after the earthquake. But the plane wasn't just carrying the field hospital. You're going to get the you're going to get the hospital, then you're going to get the special staff uh, staff housing that we sent out. Uh, then you're going to have a thousand hygiene kits, uh, six thousand puck lights, um, uh, Twenty pallets. I'm sorry, ten pallets or two hundred rolls of plastic, and uh, somewhere between uh, five hundred and six hundred tents. These additional supplies are going to meet the needs of the survivors. Tens of thousands of people are now homeless and living without electricity or running water. The the first thing we heard is that the Gazian taps a lot of apartments, high rises, they collapsed. So people were outside. Even our team that had arrived Monday said. We're sleeping in the car. So if they, if that's the case for them, well, you think about it. When I when I said, well, what? How are the people feeling? What's the feeling there? And uh, our team said, fear. They're afraid that if they go back in a building, it'll collapse on them. So people are outside. It was it was 30 degrees at night, going into the 20s. And these are people. Even the team said there's like food is scarce here. It's about the people on the ground. But when you hear it from our team say. It's tough to get food here. You know it's a hard place. So for us, immediately, the things we can do, we're, we're like, we can send shelters. How many family tents do we have? 
So I think it's 750 family tents that can house, you know, pick five to eight people in a family. So that's where probably 3,500 to 5,000 people that we can help with those. Uh, the reason we sent, there's no electricity. Hence the puck lights that we send that you can actually, they're solar so you can charge into to be able to call out if, if you can get the signal. Uh, the other things we're sending are hygiene kits. There's not running water. So that would be helpful family hygiene kits. And then, um, of course, on the ground there, we'll look for blankets, look for winter clothing. It really, we anything we can do, we're, the neat thing is we're not pre-committed to anything. So when we come into a problem set, we know after an earthquake there are going to be people, there are going to be brought on ambulances that we can save their lives with surgical capacity. So that one's just, we're going to do that. And then beyond that, it's asking the team, what do you see? What can you use? Tell us what to load the plane with. You've been a part of many responses. I mean, I just sat it on the working call, and it's it's overwhelming to hear about the yeah. needs, hear about the gravity, yeah. and like you said, dead bodies everywhere, yeah. the stench. So I guess explain to us, watching the news, it's hard to even pick apart all these details. Yeah. So I just sure. picked up on so much more. But each response is different, mm -hmm. but there is similarity in yeah. that there's chaos, confusion, everybody out for themselves, mm -hmm. but yet there's people that are helping. So yeah. there, there's good and there's bad. And so I guess talk to me about how your teams aren't discouraged. Maybe yeah. what have you seen before that's similar? How yeah. has God, I guess, gone before? Sure. So maybe even just share details, just yeah. the partners we're able to work with. So to me, I just see discouragement. But how do you see hope and how have you done this before? Well, I'll, I'll speak to both because I've, I've been like both places in the past four days from like, it seems like months have gone by in like four days. People are in shock. What happened? What's the death toll? Monday, you knew it was a thousand. Every day it's gone up like twofold. It's up to over 16,000. We don't know when that stops. So that, that's heavy and it's hard. And it, uh, I think it was yesterday morning, uh, I was just reading the Psalms. Like, and, and those help a ton uh, to know that people suffer and, and even working through the pain is a, is a thing. It's a, it's a thing before God. At the same time, David's calling out for like physical salvation throughout the Psalms, and, and God answers him. You, you hear this big cry, save us, God. And then a couple lines later, it's like, praise God. Like he's the one who saves his, his steadfast love. He's a fortress. So we, we go out knowing that. And, and I think for me, that's one of the best parts of what I get to do. Uh, you, you're, you look at great suffering and you don't get paralyzed. Like that, that was where I switched over my mind. I'm like, okay, you, you need to walk into that pain and then walk out and say, we're Samaritan's purse. We're, we're going to go act. Like, that's the difference for us. And I think um, time and again, that's what we do. Like, we're going to come out of it. We'll snap out of that. We, we try to tell our teams, like, e even this morning talking to the guys on the tip team, I said, hey, isn't it cool? People are still coming out alive. That gives us some hope. And, and we can grab onto that. And, and at the same time, we're going to see a lot of people that don't survive. But people are still coming out alive. And if we can get there and save lives... Um, that's that's why we're out there. 
obviously so much is going to happen in the next few days to get this hospital set up. They're looking at a parking lot right now. You yeah. have kind of where you want it to go, sure. what, but there's so many moving parts until then. These next several hours are critical. Yeah. It's chaos. And God's got reigns in, in chaos, too. So we'll see it come together. I, I know that. It, it'll be teams working here around the clock. It'll be the teams there working around the clock. They've, they've done this so many times before, and we'll figure it out. We will be relentless to, to find a way to get it up as fast as we can because we know uh, every hour matters, every day matters. And we'll, um, I'm confident we'll be running pretty, pretty soon uh, to have the hospital open. The thing that I wanted to, to emphasize to people who listen, it's tough to, to look at this kind of suffering. And the, the things that helped, helped me through were first the Word of God, remembering, uh, seeing what people in the Bible went through, and knowing God's with them. When you said, what have you seen in the past? Uh, when I think of Mosul, and uh, what happened with the Islamic State there, actually same part of the world, and massive suffering. But I, I just came out of that just believing God's with us, like God's here in the suffering. This is the, uh, this is the incredible thing. God's there. And in our presence there is His people really is a major thing to, to, to embrace, to take hope in, that uh, we're, we are the hands and feet of Jesus in the midst of, of the suffering. So, so for me, that gets me fired up. Uh, I came in here and thinking I'm excited. Uh, I, I was feeling like my heart race as we're watching and listening. And then I'm like, take some breaths. Uh, we're we're going to do this. God's going to help us. This is interesting in Turkey because it's a sensitive country. We're, we're going to do the best work we can and God willing, many lives will be saved uh, in His name. God will open doors in ways that we can't imagine, but just keep that in the forefront of your mind. For right now, the quality of her work is a platform of her witness. That was Ken Isaacs, the Vice President of Programs and Government Relations. And for years, Ken has been saying that the quality of our work is the platform for our witness. Um, we want to do our job with excellence. And, and they know we're not quiet about why we come. We are a Christian relief organization, but we want to work with excellence so that people in Turkey uh, will experience God's love through our teams. And Aaron shared a story um, that we've already seen God's hand and His provision in this response. Uh, the Turkish government, they assigned us the location and, and the hospital where we would work and set up our emergency field hospital. We hadn't seen the site, uh, but we trusted and we had faith that God knew where we needed to be. Uh, but to set up an emergency hospital, there are certain dimensions and requirements that need to be there for us to have a place suitable for this large hospital and operating rooms. Uh, but as always, our team prays and we trust God. And when our team showed up on the site to verify that this location would work, you know, they were just blown away. God truly gave us more than we could ever ask or imagine. Not only was the space big enough, but the large parking lot and farmland surrounding the area meant that we would have flexibility moving our equipment around. 
And, and we're always reminded of God's provision and the ways that he gives us what we need in every response. Yeah. And then we're saying, well, how do we get there faster? Air. Mm-hmm. Air can get us. At the edge of this massive parking lot for a thousand bed hospital is a helipad. Mm-hmm. And we're like, what are, the, what are the chances? And so we asked, tell us what the parking lot looks like. Can we land ospreys there? Yeah, we can land there. Yeah. Like 200 feet south of the hospitals, big open fields. You can land there. So I, this is where we see God at work. And uh, we always attempt, attempt more impossible things. Where I'm like, we couldn't, Ebola, we couldn't do anything more impossible than that. Mosul, setting as an evangelical organization being asked by the government of Iraq to set up a war trauma, the only war trauma surgery there, it's impossible. God makes a way. Uh, Ukraine, mm-hmm. impossible. God makes a way. We see it every time. We don't, I, don't te- I don't like to test that, but I see it all the time. And that, that's what's happening here. Yeah. And we have, we've done a lot of trauma orthopedic you know, responses after, but this one, the magnitude seems bigger. I mean, the fact that there were two major earthquakes, multiple yeah. aftershocks, and as you mentioned, people are afraid to return to buildings. So there's homelessness, desperation. Yeah. So this seems to be huge. Yeah, I mean that city, that's a 1.5 million wow. city. The that state hospital not can't be used. There's there's not a hospital there. Mm. That's where we're that's where we're going. So if we didn't go, what would these patients and people do? I mean, I think many would die and then many who have some injury from the earthquake, wouldn't get treated. Mm-hmm. And they, there aren't a lot of people in the world that have this capacity. Mm-hmm. It's not like there's a super long list. It's, a, it's actually a very short list, mm-hmm. and we're, we're on that list. We're so grateful that God has allowed us to be able to have this capacity. It's not by our strength or ability. It is God who works through Samaritan's Purse. Um, I also talked with Tread. He was one of our first disaster response specialists on the ground to Turkey, and he's serving as the deputy team lead. He shared his perspective on the situation on the ground. Can you tell me where you are right now and, um, you know, describe the conditions that you're seeing? Yeah, so right now um, I am in uh, Gaziantep um, in the the main city in in this region. Um, We are uh, just a few miles from the epicenter of the, the, the two larger earthquakes that, that struck on uh, Monday. There's a lot of people out. We arrived at night, and, and, and each night this week, there's been a lot of people um, out with fires going in the streets hmm. um, to kind of try and keep warm, um, and people with kind of makeshift um, shelters. Some have put up tents. Some have um, seemed to be kind of you know living out of the back of cars, um, in general, there, there seems to be, you know, a, a lot of people not um, comfortable, not willing to, to stay in their homes. Mm-hmm. Um, it is cold uh, outside. Mm. And thank you so much because, you know, we can watch the news and see, hear that. But for you that's literally <laughs> seeing it and, yeah, maybe just give us all the senses because I'm sure – uh, without running water, uh, bathroom facilities, you know, a lot of people in crowded areas. 
uh, with nowhere to go, I'm sure. And and unfortunately, dead bodies. I mean, there are just so many horrible things that you're around. So I'm sure it produces chaos and panic within people. So what what is the morale of the people that you're seeing? Um, I mean, what are people doing practically uh, to survive? Yeah, it's 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 hard to answer that. I mean, access to um, the the towns around has been um, difficult. Um, we're very much obviously in the, the early stages post earthquake. We we were able yesterday to go out with the search and rescue team of a partner that working we're working very closely with um, here in Turkey. The city really yeah was was hit very hard. There's a lot of, of buildings that are just completely completely collapsed. We um, yeah went with the team as they worked on one of the collapsed buildings. Um, it was yeah it was really yeah it was tough. It was um, going up on on the building and kind of looking down and seeing children's toys, uh, children's clothes um, on a what had been a, a multi-story building that was was just now just rubble. The team was working away, cutting rebar, um, drilling, removing cement blocks. Um, but it, it, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was bad. Um, from talking with them, you know, they, they said yesterday they, they removed five dead bodies from, from that building. Um, and sadly, as time goes by, the, the likelihood of finding people alive is, is reducing significantly. The, the need is overwhelming. Um, and there are a lot of people who, um, for now, yeah, they, they, they need food, they need water. Um, there's, there isn't electricity. Um, it is cold. Um, the, the challenges obviously are, are significant. Um, it's just still early on after the, the earthquake struck. Mm-hmm. Um, people will increasingly become um, desperate and, and concerned and, 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 and in need. And, um, yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard. And mm-hmm. I know all natural disasters. I mean, are are difficult and traumatic. But you know, an earthquake comes with no warning. You know, people couldn't prepare or even flee. Um, and so, as you mentioned, I mean, they've they've lost everything, um, and you can't go back to your home, and so you're left homeless with nothing. So the needs are so great. And so I guess, how can we be praying for this team that's coming? Um, and, and for the people that they're going to minister to? Yeah, I think, as always, energy for the team coming in. Um, it, it's going to be hard. They're going to no doubt feel overwhelmed at the sight uh, of what has happened, um, interacting with with people who um, have lost so much. So pray for the team that they can um, themselves remain uh, hopeful um, and that they can share that hope with with people that are that are coming, um, I think pray for people who are still um, worried about loved ones who are missing. There's lots of people here who who don't know where loved ones are and will no doubt be fearing the worst. So let's pray for them uh, in that. Um, pray for courage and strength, um, and that somehow, um, yeah, in this terrible situation, that that God would reach out and would. Um, yeah, restore hope uh, and, and shine a light uh, in, in people's lives. 
Spending time in our command center yesterday, I'll be honest, it was difficult. It was heavy to hear and our team firsthand what they're seeing and how horrific the needs are on the ground. Um, my heart has been, but now is even more heavy for the people in Turkey. I was convicted to really pray for our disaster response team serving in Jesus' name. And as Aaron and Tread both said, this is an opportunity to demonstrate God's love in a tangible way. You know, as believers, you know, many of us, uh, we're discouraged, we're heartbroken, but we are not without hope. Hearing from our team made me think of Psalm 119, 28, that says, I am weary from grief. Strengthen me through your word. When we're weary, overwhelmed, and breaking down, God's word is what sustains and strengthens us and allows us to serve and take action. And all I could think about when Ken Isaac said the quality of our work will be a platform for our witness is Matthew 5, 14 through 16. It says, You are the light of the world. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Our team is, is loving and they're serving physically in this time of need. Uh, but we're praying that the people will see the light in our teams and they'll want to know the hope of the gospel. And that is the reason that we serve and respond. Uh, the situation on the ground is changing every day and we're working around the clock to meet the needs. Um, so for the latest updates, I encourage you to go to our website at SamaritansPurse.org or follow us on social media. Thank you so much for listening today, but thank you so much for your prayers and support. Have a great day.